Welcome to the Meeple Syrup After Show, where designers discuss design. We're on episode 70. We're actually on the after show, talking supply and demand. We're here with Mike from Peach State Hobby uh, Games, and uh, we scared the rest away. So uh, the three of us are going to chat a little bit more during the after show, uh, talk a little bit about distribution, talk about games, how they get from... You know, you finished your design, and now you've, you've maybe given it away to a publisher, or you've kickstarted it, and how is it going to get out in the world? How is your game going to get from from point A to point B, and finally into someone's house? And uh, we're thankful that Mike stayed with us to chat a little bit more uh, on the... Uh, I don't, it's not the Night's Eve. What's two nights before the big the big change? Uh, it's it's, which, it's Asmodee Eve Eve. Eve, yes, that's right. Asmodee, North America, Eve, Eve. Hey, well, it, it is the Eve for me because it's I'm East Coast. So oh, true. Is, we're is, yeah, we're already in the midnight. And I, I'm in I'm in Asmodee, North America, Eve right now. Yeah, 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 yeah so are we. And so happy, and so with Happy Asmodee Eve. Yeah, like, pop some like champagne or something. I something like that. So for um, anyone who doesn't know, um, Asmodee, and we talked in the earlier show, so we check. I want to recommend check out the the main show, so you know more details. But in short, um, Asmodee North America, uh, who has purchased a few different uh, publishers and, yeah, and come together in partnership. So we're just, talking just a few, just a few. You know, Fancy yeah. Flight, Days of small, Wonder, small company, small acquisition. And you know, just a little. You know, they wanted a couple more titles, and yeah. uh, they have highlighted five unique uh, distributors, and we're talking to one of them here uh, that will be responsible for. Distributing for all of North America, their uh, incredible titles. So, yeah. tell us a little bit, Mike, about hitting that lottery. Was that a long <laughs> relationship type scenario? Why? Why? And yeah. how did that happen? So, how did it happen? Um, you know, I, it, there's a lot of factors that can be played in there, and you know, it, it could be our volume, which we would, what we've always said we're the best kept secret in the industry. Yeah. Uh, we, we've talked to a lot of publishers, like when they came back from exclusivities, they're like. How big is your company? And they're kind of throwing us small, like, small like dollar value numbers, and we're like, yeah, no, it's a lot, it's a lot higher than that. So we're um, we've always been that best kept secret uh, for yeah. one of the bigger distributors out there. And most people had no idea who we were until the big five were announced. Sure. Um, so how did we get chosen? I don't really know. You know, we have a really good relationship with Asmodee and Fantasy Flight. We always have. Um, and uh, we have always played by the rules. We don't really break street dates. We uh, we always enforce any kind of policies they may have. For sure. uh, so I think a combination of our volume and um, uh, we've been good boys. Yeah. Girls. Team players. Team <laughs> yeah, players. Team players. Always, always important yeah. to actually follow the rules to keep long-term relationships. That that helps. Yes. Yeah. Uh, talking about really exclusives, you mentioned exclusives. <sighs> I mean, some exclusives, I guess, are kind of freeing up now. Finally. Uh, yeah, and and then other good. other ones. You're on the inside. Do you see the exclusive market shifting, continuing to shift? Is this a new thing? You know, some exclusives that have fallen down. What do you? And, what and do you what see? does exclusive really mean to yeah. you? Because I know what it means mean? to us. What does it mean to me? It yes. means the mar- If it's exclusive to one distributor. Um, uh, that that means your game will not properly be marketed and sold to the entire market. That's what it means. Yes, and it's proven that at this point, um, you know, because we did get we have we have Z-Man now, we have Days of Wonder, we have these titles that were exclusive, and what that really did is it made a lot of retailers 
angry because they felt trapped or beholden to yeah. that distrib to that distributor. I mean, they all these different orders and yeah. arrangements for shipping, yeah. and so they had to make their weekly order with that distributor, and maybe they didn't want to for whatever various reason, or some of them did want to, yeah. uh, but there definitely were a large handful out there that didn't, and uh, so far this year. It's showing big time. Uh, we're we're on a very 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 strong growth um, towards the end of last year and this year, which is when uh, the the the, um, the exclusives kind of came to an end, and we started having the product. Yeah. So, uh, what does it mean to me? It means it's another wall to come down, and uh, it's another thing that needs to be removed to just keep growing this industry. And it, we're going to see it this year. These these publishers That's are awesome. that were exclusive. Are going to see, you know, Cryptozoic was exclusive with Alliance before, right. and they went to PSI, and it's just been it's been fantastic growth for them. Sure. Um, Z-Man was the same way. Q Q Workshop, the dice company from Poland, used right. to be exclusive, and now they're they've grown tenfold because of it. Yeah, it's incredible. Part of it. And I mean, so. the selling point used to be that. Um, well, if you're exclusive with us, whoever us is, then we can put all our effort into, you know, talking up your your product and all these things. And I think the problem is that it never really happened, because it, it couldn't, yeah. and and still be be taking care. And you guys still take care of the other 63 titles or whatever that you're still Correct. gonna have to buy. So yes, you might say their name first, but it didn't translate into sales. Correct. It wasn't really effective, right? So it's better to have lots of little pockets of stuff all over the place, mm -hmm. I think, in order to oh, hit. I have, I have this story that I heard, and I don't know if it's true. Maybe maybe one of the two of you have, could validate it. I'm not sure. But this, this is a classic. I'm going to say it's true. It's a, cla it's a classic tale. Uh, no, but I, I heard from a retailer they were trying to order some more Z-Man games, and you could only order online their titles. Their power went down for four days and there was no way to actually order any games through them, not even by phone, because they would say, no, it's all processed online, so that's the only way we will do orders. And uh, that, that, to me, just is crazy as a bottleneck. So the thought that lots of distributors are going to have volume of games and people can find the distributor that's going to take care of them and build a relationship to make sure they're supporting yeah. those stores, I think is a gift. So I can't fathom that that's not a, a win for the retailer. Oh, yeah. Because it, it, it comes down, like you said, it comes down to the relationship. And who, what distributor does their retailer business line up with the best? And it could be a simple matter of they're a local pickup to us. Yep. You know, we have that. We have a lot of local pickup guys, especially at our New Jersey sure. location. Sure. And they can't, I can't imagine, I haven't spoken to them directly yet, I will at our open house coming up here next month, yep. but uh, you know, I can't imagine how much happier they are that they, have to, they now get to cut off one less order they have to make and then yep. go pick up everything now. Sure. Right. That, yeah. makes I mean, that makes a big difference to a lot of people in terms of just workflow, right? Mileage yeah. is money, time is money, all that kind of stuff. We have a couple questions. Um, a, people want the awesome goat 3000 sell sheet and if you if you ever decide to like you know, just to see what you want on a sell sheet can you release that is that something you might show I'll put it out there no problem at all uh, okay patent awesome. pending patent pending patent pending patent pending yeah yeah so yeah, they don't want to steal the awesome goat they want to no. they want to see how what bits of information you require and a lot of times um, a lot of the people that we talk to predominantly we talk to them from the designer standpoint so MSRP and things like that aren't things that they think about 
because yeah. a lot of them are shipping are shopping their designs to a publisher. But mm. now that a lot of them are saying, you know what, I'll try my hand in this whole Kickstarter thing, they, they can. have to start thinking yeah. about that stuff, right? And I think that's yeah. that's what I'd love to see as well, is what other bits of information are we missing on a designer template sure. that we can then I add have, on to? I have in the PDF. I'll definitely yeah. I'll send that to, to Daryl and yeah, then awesome. whatever you guys, if you have a... Yeah, we'll put it on the Facebook or yeah, tweet it. On the website or something, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah, no problem. But the That'd other thing here is Dave Tomei, who is our wonderful audio guy, he asks, do you think if this new approach that Asmodee is, is having will backfire? Will it turn consumers away from those publishers? <laughs> will they have to go above and beyond to you know, get pu customers back? Yeah, in the chat also is kind of reference like, is this another Mayfair moment? Yeah. Or and who's gonna police yeah. the the you know brick and mortars from not selling stuff online? You know wh who does that? Is that distributors that do that, or is that Asmodee that does that? So it's, so so to answer that one, and then I'll go back to yeah the, yeah for sure. Where's the is the end consumer gonna fall out? Because there's a perfect for answer for that that shuts everybody up. Yay. Um, uh, how did how is the policing handled? So it it it's it should be that as a North America is going to be monitoring online sales, and then they will tell us, hey, this guy is breaking the policy, cut him yeah. off, kind of thing. Uh, that's still kind of a bit of a gray area influx on how the exact procedure is going to happen, but generally that's how that stuff is enforced. The publisher, the manufacturer, they'll find the offense. They'll let us know, and they'll give us the directive on what we need to do. Usually it's a, hey, don't sell to this guy anymore, or limit how much they get, something like that. I'm, I'm not saying that's exactly what's going to happen with Aspen North America, but that's going to be the procedure. They're going to be the cops. We're going to be the enforcers yep. uh, kind of thing. Okay. So now, You're going to have to break to, some legs. Uh, I, no, I hope not. <laughs> yeah, I hope not too. No, because then they stop walking in and buying things. I don't want that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so to the question of, is there going to be an in-consumer fallout? Um, I've been, so I got into this hobby at a very young age, eight years old, with Games Workshop, uh, oh. playing miniature games. Uh, I don't know how familiar you guys are, or the or your, your viewers are, with Games Workshop and the policies. Oh, and the, I'm very um, familiar with Games Workshop policies. Okay, so I'm going to answer this. Uh, how many people stopped playing Space Marines? <laughs> like, like, really? Anymore, uh, <laughs> Hammer 40K? Yeah, I mean, none. They all come back, every single one. They're like, I'm never going to play it, because every year, Games Workshop would do a price hike, yep. or they would change the rules so that this model that nobody was really buying is now the best model in the army, yeah. and everyone's got to buy it again. So they've, they, the in-consumers there have proven that the gamer mentality, the gamer in-consumer, will take that abuse, if you want to call it abuse, which on sure. their end is kind of a gray area. This is just, we want you to pay the value of the product. Yeah. This is this is the only industry that I can think of where MSRP is 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 gouging. Like, yeah. Really? Walk <laughs> into a game. Yeah, walk into a game. I mean, Heavenly Sword for PS3 when that first came out. That was what a three-hour game and sixty bucks. Yeah. Come on. This forty dollars for Monte Carlo, for example. That's that's yeah. a perfectly fine price for. It. So, is there going to be inconsumer fallout? No, there won't be. There's going to be. Uh, maybe a small pause period, but sure. at the end of the day, the guy that said, I'm never going to buy Space Marines again, next week he's going to show up with an Imperial Fist Army. That's just... <laughs> 
That's just what's going to happen. Painted in Imperial Fist yellow. Oh, correct. Yeah, grimdark future. So that, that's yeah. what's going to happen. That business model is already proven, and that was a much more. I, I don't like this. I don't have a better word to say it. But the way they used to treat their cust- the way they treated their customers was was a lot more, I guess, negatively impactful Shady. to them. We'll say it. We'll say it for you. Yeah. Okay, you can say you can say it for those are your words, not mine. Those are mine. Yeah, it those was, are my it words. Was, it wasn't really even shady. It was it was um pretty it was pretty blatantly yeah. this is what we're doing and there's nothing you can do to stop us from doing it. And if you want to play the game, then you'll suck it up. You suck it up. And and the same thing with the retailers on that end. I remember at the time, and I don't know Mike if you had a store at the time, uh, but oh, yeah. what they would do what GW would do is say, yeah, if you want to carry Space Marines, you also have to carry, you know, Fantasy. And well, you gotta, you gotta have this. You gotta, depending on your level, because yeah. store, retailer stores had different levels, and you had to, if you wanted to reach this level, which was this price point, and you got your product in this timely manner, you had to keep X amount of dollars worth of product on your shelf at any yeah. given time. And you had yeah. to buy their racks, and you had to put my, it my on their shelves. My favorite was when they, when you'd go into the store and they deny the video game existed. Because they weren't even allowed to. Oh, we're not selling that here, so I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Or or the fantasy flight stuff. The same thing. You know, I walked into the Games Workshop store down here in Orlando, and I was like, "Hey, I got uh, this uh, Warhammer Conquest game. Can I come in and run demos for it?" Sure. Yeah, no, we cannot do that here. No. Like, oh, what no, are you talking? Your your company's logo's on the box. <laughs> what are you, you're going to get royalties out of this. What do you yeah. mean? No. Yeah, I that, is, that is a kind of interesting, interesting, weird. Thing there, totally. I wonder why. Totally, because it must not be talking at you know crosstalk at the high level, right? It's probably not enough profit. Profit, because it is a traded company. It's probably not just not enough. What jargon, jargon, jargon. Not enough money. Margins, margin. The uh, the conventions that uh, that you hit, you know, and what are you looking for? Are people making appointments ahead of time? Um, What what are those kind of steps for people that? That don't know yet how to 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 make appointments and sell sheets and all that. Are they are they just going to catch you? Are you at a booth? What's the process for for someone who doesn't know you and they want to talk to you at a convention? So we just recently had Gamma, so I'll use that as a perfect example. Um, yes, I do a lot of preemptive scheduling. Um, typically, that is I treat Gamma as the place to go have the business face to face meeting with a lot of my publishers I'm currently interacting with. So I will schedule one of those guys for one of the one hour block, starting at like eight or seven in the morning, and that goes until seven or eight at night. That's how I do my thing. Um, and then for the li- for the little guy, for lack of a better word, um, unfortunately, it's going to have to be grab me when you can when sure. I'm running from booth to booth. Sure. But you also got to realize, you know, I-, I deal with eighty or ninety different publishers, yeah. so or that people that I contact with. Yeah. So. I can only schedule. I only wind up scheduling with maybe twenty of those guys. Sure. The other sixty are also trying to grab me, who I'm already doing business with. Right. So it, it's a constant getting pulled in a million directions. I remember on yeah. the last day of Gamma, it was four o'clock. I went back to my booth to drop off some samples that I had, and I had Osprey there. I had Flying Frog. <laughs> I had the guy that did um, uh, the little board game Salem, yeah. and I had two other guys hanging off. Seeing, waiting for talking because they could see I had a line, and I wasn't there to meet with any of them. I was there to drop off games and go see somebody else. Right. So it was a quick, hey, let me talk to you for a minute. Shake your hand, get your face in my image. Here's my business card. 
and then go. Uh, so it's it's chaos, man. That's it's, a, that's a good sign, though. Business is good. Mm-hmm. Business is business is very good. And I say that being one of the big five has you know we always had an influx of people trying to get their games in us, but it's been it's been silly <laughs> lately with hey, submissions. Who are the other who are the other five? Are the other three in the five? five. So it's you, GTS. Uh, Southern Hobby, ACD, and ACD. Alliance. And Alliance, okay. Yeah. yeah. Good. And, and I mean, is this consortium of this little group of the big five, is this the same big five that a lot of other publishers or uh, publishing houses are going with as well? Like I think Z-Man, Philosophy, yeah, F2Z. F2Z did that. F2Z did that. And um, so far, it's only those two publishing houses that have done it, the Asma North America and F to Z. Um, but as we spoke about in the, 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 the real show earlier, um, other publishers are following suit of some yeah. form. Privateer Press this week put out an email to the retailers that they're going to be controlled. They're going to be doing a lot more uh, monitoring control of the online sales as well. They didn't talk about limiting distributors, but they talked about you know control having a little more control over the online uh, discounts that are be coming out, so it's coming. Where this is going to happen more and more and more. The majority of my conversations at Gamma were about how is this going to be handled? How do we feel about it? What, what's doing right? What's doing wrong about it? Mm-hmm. So I got I got two questions, and to follow that up, business is good. You're yep. you're one of the big five. Yep. Maybe a little Maybe. tongue in cheek, but when when's Asmo Day buying you? And <laughs> and second of all, when you come to Canada. When am I coming to Canada? Uh, so Canada's a bit of a hot mess, isn't it, for distributors right now? It's an opportunity, that's for sure. <laughs> well, we so others, our other sister company is called Koki Hobby. So okay. we do Central and South America. We have a warehouse in Brazil. Uh, right. We already have one of those opportunities in Brazil right now that we're trying to wrestle. Uh, can't the Great White North will have to have to wait a bit, but it's it's been spitballed around. So can we talk about Brazil for a second? Do you know much about Brazil and and the and the, the hobby industry game. there? Yeah. Because supposedly everything gets lost on the way to Brazil. <laughs> like, and shipping to Brazil is insane. It's a unique own challenge. It is. It's, like, I, when you said you have a thing in Brazil, it's like, wow, because that's going to be fun to deal with. It's it's a really yeah. interesting shipping. It's nightmare. it's been a it's been an uphill battle. Like, and that that I can't stress that. Kind of like term enough, um, you, you know. We we had we've been struggling to ship product into there. It's not exactly the most um, uh, straightforward comp- a country to deal with. That is there's completely a lot of, true. <laughs> there's a lot of things that kind of jump out. Like oh, all of a sudden there's a freshly cut grass tax. <laughs> what the hell is that? What does that mean? Well, so, it's obvious, Mike. That's a tax for your grass. Sure. So there's all That's kinds of little things awesome that goat. happen. That's why you need an awesome goat to eat. You need an awesome goat, and you need correct. That's exactly how you get around that. You circumvent it Segway. by the awesome goat 9000 coming 2018, exclusive to Peach State Hobby Distribution. That's go. exactly what's happening. What's the, what's the MSRP uh, on that, Mike? Just so I know, so I can tell my my uh, stores. The MSRP on that was 39.99. It That's does come point. with 185 wooden meeples with, <laughs> 300, <laughs> with 375 stickers. So yeah, yeah. Come on, Tasty Minister. We want to race for sticker volume. That's that's my game now. 
<laughs> actually, you know, what's funny, actually, about that, and I am curious, uh, I was thinking about this before, from a distributor's point of view, what would you recommend designers should be keeping in mind when they're designing, especially, like, are there trends for certain price points or components or different things like that that you would recommend you see, you know, the next year or two designers should focus more of their time That's on? That's a great question, Daryl. I like that. Um, uh, avoid sticker dice. Okay. <laughs> With a passion, that's that's such a such a turnoff on a product. If we're gonna we're gonna highlight a component, yeah. That's one that's just universally negative. Absolutely. Uh, and it's a hard thing to it's a hard pill to swallow to pull that trigger on on getting those dies Custom made. Custom dice, yeah. Yeah, because it's expensive. But with a lot of like the lasers, lasers, laser engraving and steel yep. screening, it's cheaper now to get a good enough yep. dice with some image on there. But avoid the sticker stuff if you can. Pony up and pay the cost, and that's going to pay dividends in the long run when you have really good components. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, so other components that are good. Make sure your card quality is good. Yeah. You know, magic standard. That that's basically it. Go with a great, go with a with a white core, gray core, whatever it is. Yep. And just have a good quality card because that's gonna be the thing that people have the the in, the physical connection to your game. They're mm -hmm. gonna have it in their hand, um, and that goes into artwork. If you're a card game and you have bad artwork, yeah. you have a game that's not gonna sell yep. unless it's deliberately supposed to be goofy looking. Sure. You know, <laughs> like. Yeah, that's the only like. There was a game from from Britain called Stackbots, and uh, I don't have it back. I don't know where it is. Back here somewhere. But it's just it's stick figures, but they're all stick figures. Right. And that was, that's it didn't detract from it. It's yeah. just the when you have bad artwork. The mm -hmm. okay, that is, that is some high schoolers fan art for Record of Lotus Wars anime or something <laughs> like that. Right, like, right, right. That's the stuff you want to avoid. Hard. So. Um. Yeah. Hey, we have a question. Oh man! Thank you. <laughs> for knowing that, yeah, yeah, you and me could be like good friends, I think. <laughs> Maybe, Maybe. a little bromance going on here. Yeah, yeah. Odd is asking one of our viewers. Odd is in Taiwan, and he asks, "How do you go about getting distribution if you live in another country?" <laughs> um. Well, we have this cool thing called the internet. So, <laughs> so I, I don't know if you've ever heard of the internet, but uh, I've heard of the internet. <laughs> yeah, so you you can send uh, you know emails. That that's the best way to do it. Uh, that's how I deal with everybody here. You know, in the in the U.S. side of things. Sure. Just don't be afraid to send your email. Like on our website, we have uh, an email you can send the you know, button you send to for game submission. So just send an email and say, hey, my name is so and so. I'm my this is my company's name. This is the name of my game. Here's a link to it on BGG or my website. Uh, just don't send an email that says, hey, my name is John and I have a game. And press send because that happens a lot more than you think it does. Oh boy. Well, and maybe kind of along those lines too. Could you share a little bit about? I mean, obviously you need games that are going to sell. I mean, mm -hmm. you're looking you're looking for games that are going to sell, but also, I mean, we talked about you, you don't need a magic number, but I'm sure it's more helpful relationship wise to work with with publishers that have a few titles that are yeah. doing well for you instead of a lot of one offs. <laughs> I mean, so it's not a magic number, but I'm sure you know, cer certain companies, it's easier to work with them because you know a, a bunch of titles. I mean, you use Renegade as an example. Correct. Um, can you talk a little bit about that of, like, you know, the relationship there of ordering and kind of needing, you know, that supply? Yeah, so to the, to the question, uh, the statement of, uh, is it helpful to have more products? Yes. Um, for, for the simple fact of, 
you know, we are all the games that come out, all these submissions, the, the titles that are releasing, it's really, if you break it down to uh, what it is, it's noise. It's just all noise. If you just have one little game, it's going to get drowned out and it's not going to get noticed. There's yeah. just so much stuff around it. But if we bring on a new publisher and they have you know, eight or nine titles, they're no longer a blip. They're a big blob of, of stuff that's going to yeah. be noticeable when we send out any kind of like new products coming in or anything like that. So it's definitely better to be able to have a publisher with established lines to bring on, or multiple lines to bring on. It's helpful for that respect that I know it's not going to get lost. Because if I'm buying one game from you, it, it, honestly, it, right now at this current state of things, with all the all the stuff going on, the noise is really, really loud. If you have one game, it's going to be detrimental for you, to for me to buy it. You may not think it because now you have cash in hand, but what's going to happen is, I'm going to get that game. It's never going to get its time in the spotlight on mm -hmm. my shelf when I get it. So what's going to happen months down the road is, hey, we've got you know 60 copies of this. We've never sold any. Yep. We have to clearance it out. Now yep. you've got your copy going to the third-party market at an extreme clearance price. Now yep. your game's on, on Amazon for 5 bucks when it's an MSRP $50 game or something. Right, right, right. Yeah, and now yeah, you've so heard the value of your game. Right. Correct. And I, I just had to have this conversation with, uh, and I'll give them a plug, Epic Roll. Um, they, they gave me a sample at Gamma. It's a good little game, but it's it's only one title. And right. if I brought it on right now, that's what would happen. It would get looked over entirely sure. because there's just so much noise going on, yeah. and it would do a disservice to their growth. Yeah, so, and I, especially at this particular time, right? When it's correct. When it, correct. Know, Asmo Day hour coming up. Well, it's Asmo Day, and for us distributors, we're also... We're also all just kind of getting our Z-Man product as well. Right, right, So right. It, you combine that with its Magic pre-release week. So that means it's also Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh! and Cardfight Vanguard. They all release at the same time as well. Yeah. So the next like few weeks is just not... Yeah. It's detrimental to the process. Mm -hmm. When would the best time of year be for some a small publisher to get on board? What do you think? <laughs> is there any uh, windows left? Uh, I mean, it's not, not pre-con season. It's not before Christmas. When is it? So there is no good time. Let's be very blunt about that. There's yeah, yeah. really no good time. The industry's grown at such a at such a vast at such a vast level that uh, there's really no good time. Uh, there are times to avoid uh, Black Friday. Don't, if you're new, <laughs> let's just don't avoid really, Black Friday in general. Just, just don't do anything on Black Friday. Okay, don't yeah. avoid the holidays kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, that's the thing you can do, because there's no good time, but there are times to avoid to be able to maximize your time in the spotlight, which is if you are new, that's kind of what you want to do. Um, even though everybody does something at Gen Con time, it's not a bad idea to do it at Gen Con, because everybody's looking to go out and digest new stuff, so they're going to actually be looking for new stuff. Hmm. So that's probably one of the better times to launch it, especially if you're going to go there. Like If you're going to go there and be like, I'm releasing my game in a month, why the hell are you here? Like, seriously, time that a little bit better and be able to sell the product here to people while you're showing it to them. So, yeah, I, I think there's more times to avoid than there are times to target for, for a release schedule. Mm. Good, good, good. Um, now, Peach State, do you do mm -hmm. any, any um, you know, distribution to mass market, or is that more what PSI would be doing in terms of the hobby game industry. That's, that's kind of a... Stuff that it's way? A, it's a mix. 
you know, we don't have a whole lot of mass market accounts. We're mostly retailer centric, brick and mortar retailer centric. Right. Um, we do sell so to the big online guys, you know, the the, the common ones. Yeah. Right. Um, but PSI does a lot of the direct sales to um to the to the uh, big box, the brick and the uh, Barnes and Nobles and Targets and what have you. Right. So they do that. But um, yeah, we we. It doesn't happen, but it's a mix for distributors. Some of them, some of them do have bigger accounts. Like I know somebody's got a uh, books a million, for example. Right. right. So. And another question, just on on you know hitting price points. What do you think the game industry is missing in terms of size of box, size of game, price of game? Where where is the next thing? I mean, for a while it was micro games and and whatnot. Are we going to see a resurgence in big box games? What do you think? Was it was it ever was it ever really micro games though? I don't like on know. The re- on the retail <laughs> side of things, I, probably I don't not. In the Kickstarter side, yes. In yeah. the in the retail market, that did not translate. Uh, Tiny Epic Kingdoms does sell well, but there's some other games that were really popular that did that were known for being the pocket size kind of games that did really really well in Kickstarter. It did not translate to retail all that well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't think that was ever a thing. But what? So to your question is, what's the next big thing? Is that the question? Yeah, it could be. Yeah. Um. I I don't know. I don't really know. Uh, party games. Party games are always. They seem to kind of be the underlying thing. That's not really going anywhere. Party games akin to like like Super Fight or Buffalo or you know Cards Against Humanity for for lack of a better example. Um. As much as gamers, the, the the you know the guys who play board games all the time don't want to hear that, those are the things that are selling, that are doing higher volumes. Right. And they those are the those are the products that don't really seem to be going away. Interesting. Um, how do you how do you find? Because I I've noticed a bit that the medium to heavy strategy games there's less titles coming out relative to everything else. Do you see that yeah. th- that market is kind of already? You know, saturated versus others. You know, there's still well, growth, or or is what, it? What do you kind of, say? What do you say is medium to heavy? Well, I'm, I'm think, just kind of thinking more of the, uh, well, say like a Z-Man. They do. They'll often partner with Hans and Gluck, and they'll have mm-hmm. some more of the heavier Euro style games. They come mm-hmm. out that might take an hour and a half, two hours, three hours, um, something like that. So, I think they're lacking in probably quantity. So a medium heavy game, I medi- I think of like Viticulture. That's probably a medium heavy game, right? Yep, that's a great example. Uh, that sells in good volume, but there aren't a whole lot of other games that are in that same kind of, uh, I guess, strategy, mm-hmm. right? There's, I think there's just not a whole lot of them. It is definitely casual or, oh my god, why does my brain hurt kind of level of stuff. There's not a whole lot in the middle there, I, I don't think. I think quantity-wise... Um, and I, I don't really know why. I think Red Raven, they fit right in there as well, right in that middle. Yeah, they're and a great example like a, in the middle. Above and Below did really well for it. City of Irons, the, the second edition's done really well. I mean, uh, what's over here? Artifacts, Dingo's, just, Dingo's Dream just came out. So Red Raven fits in that wheelhouse, and uh, he's been growing pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah, so is that. Yeah, no, that's good. I was just interested. Again, trends, I mean, from your perspective, you're you're actually seeing... Often, what's selling, uh, we we're you know only seeing a slice because of our you know our individual stores may stock certain ways and have certain types Correct. of customers. Correct. Yeah, I, I the trends. Yeah, the, 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 there's things that just sell constantly. Like I said, Viticulture is one of them. It just 
it, it and it's growing. That's the other thing. It, it's still like every time I reorder it, I'm like, I gotta order more than I did the past time. So every it's growing like 30, 40 percent every time I have to restock it, and I'm restocking it when it's in when it's in stock um, once a month. So hmm. it, it's growing really well. I don't I don't think right now. I don't think there is a a a down genre or type of game. I think everything is selling really well. We're in a very healthy yeah state for this industry. I think it's better. We're definitely on a on a on a, on a high. Uh, it's just kind of are we on a high or are we on a bubble? Right. You know. I mean, is are we going to have a '90s comet crash right. where it's just we might when when Abyss came out with all those variant covers. I was like, sure. oh, I was like, oh no, red flag, red flag, yeah. right? Because yeah. <laughs> that so, is but, uh, the comic bubble, right? Uh, correct. That's exactly what happened. But it didn't. Luckily, it didn't pan out to be that way, and it didn't. No one else really trended, and it didn't really hurt anything. Uh, so I, I think we're just at an industry level. We're at a we're at a really healthy point. How long are we healthy? Is is kind of the question. So there's. I don't think there's anything that's that's um has a better sell through than anything else right now. Everything's doing really well, except for historical miniature games. Those. Those typically don't do well in the U.S. No. Yeah. What uh, What has actually surprised you? What product has surprised you to how well it's done lately? So, I think if if Anne Marie Dewitt watches this, she'd be she'd be upset if I didn't if I didn't say something. Um, they just did a second edition of their dice game called Bears. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep. And they, they redid the packaging and everything, and when she first was talking about it with us, and she wanted to come up with this launch program, I sent her, oh, and I, I, I'm, I'm blunt. I don't like to coddle, and I don't like to give false truth. I like to rip the band-aids off and be very honest with people. So I sent her a very blunt email, um, hey, you know, with some of my concerns, and I, I gotta eat a lot of crow on it. I do. Uh, that, that, I, I definitely under underbought, and it's performed a lot better than I would have anticipated because the sales for the game prior weren't that great. They were sure. they were they were bad for us, to be honest with you. Right. Uh, but it's it's definitely that that caught me off guard. It's not selling gangbusters. No, but, no, but um, better than expected. Uh, significantly better than expected. Yeah, significantly better than I expected. And um, yeah, I think that's that's the most recent one. Um, there's there's others. There's other things like Cryptozoic. Those games, sometimes out of nowhere, there's no ceiling for them. Like just recently, they had a, one of the new Adventure Time expansions came out, and I ordered what I thought would have been fine, and nope, nope, the ceiling's much, much higher than, than you <laughs> thought it was. Like interesting. Adventure Time is crazy. Speaking of those types of games, do you think that IP-related games, um, they're typically panned critically, but sales-wise, what does it look like from your end? Because you know, I do some of them. And I see what mine do, but I don't know what they, you know, some of the IP-related games do overall. Is it yeah. that much of an order of of difference? Because I, I I know some some of them are, but are all of them? No, they're not. Um, you know, was it last year? Everything. I mean, there was Munchkin on Pepsi cans, for example. <laughs> I mean, just it was it was everywhere. Well, just and, wait, um, the card game. The the CCG, yes. Yeah. Yep, that's coming out. That's going to blow um, up. It's going to be hot. It's going to be hot. Very hot. Um, so, you know, everything got a Munchkin IP license. You know, Munchkin Panic, Munchkin Love Letter, Munchkin yes. Gloom, Munchkin This, Munchkin That, Munchkin That. So before we had any really good sales data on it, we're like, Gloom plus Munchkin. 
money, so we ordered a metric ton of it. And uh, it didn't perform to that level. It didn't not sell. It mm -hmm. just didn't do as well as we anticipated, and it definitely didn't do as well as those two lines do on a separate basis. That's interesting. Uh, interesting. Um, but for IP stuff, it depends. Uh, you know, look at Game of Thrones right now for Fantasy Flight, the second edition they came out with. Sure. That shit, that's on fire. Like, yeah. That's hot. Is it? That's hot. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's doing really, really well. Yeah. Um, it depends. It depends what it is. So yes and no, mm -hmm. but um, I, I, I don't know if you take, like, the Munchkin example, I don't know if you take Gloom and you add a new IP to it, if that will drastically affect the sales. Right. Uh, I think Gloom's going to sell no matter what. Sure. Um, I think it's just another skew that sales are going to die down from it eventually because um, those kind of frivolous versions of games do just kind of fizzle away after a while. Yep. Right. So. And so, so the actual... You know, new content or a game that is a new thing based on an existing IP, but not a merger of two things. Mm -hmm. Those seem to do better than the you know Batman Love Letter or whatever. Yeah. Okay. The ones cool. that, that where it starts off as an adventure adventure card time. Yeah. Where it starts off with an IP that will do better than yes a a a IP version of a game that already exists. Yeah, right. those will perform better. Okay, cool. Well, I think you know what we've spent a lot of time, and this has been a great episode, a great even a great after show. Um, sometimes it's just us talking about nothing in particular, so this is a really sure. good one. It's quite focused. I'd like to thank you so much for coming on the show, Mike. It was really no, wonderful for to me. meet you, and oh, hope to meet you in person soon. Um, and so, where are you going to be if people ne need to get at you, other than the interwebs? Are you going to be at any cons in the near future? Uh, well, the next thing I'm where I'm going to be at is going to be at, at our open house. So, I mean, that's that's not open to the public or anything. That's only mm -hmm. open to our retailers and the publishers that come. Um, beyond that, uh, I, I think Dice Tower, Dice Tower Con is the next thing I'm going to be at. But that's in my backyard, right? So yeah. that's kind of a no-brainer. And then Gen Con and Essen Perfect. is I think what we have left. Yeah. All right. So if you guys want to meet up with Mike, make sure you get at him, send him an email. Hopefully yep. he'll provide us with a copy of Awesome Goat 9000 sell sheet so that we can show you what he needs to know in order to help you help yourself. Yep. And other than that, keep making great games, and we hope to see you guys in the future. Ooh, yep. that leads right back into Daryl's first talk. Yes. <laughs> I'm trying to get the after show thing here, and it's not popping up, Daryl. So it's I'm okay. just going to end it. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Bye, guys. Thank you.